welcome into another edition of the Big Red Lily Podcast. My name is Presley Meyer. I'm alongside my co-host, Jacob Lane. We also have Ethan Sproles and Alex Stengel alongside of us. Um, later on the show, we're actually going to get to uh, DJ BNMA as well. He's going to be our first ever guest on the podcast. But we want to go ahead and get things rolling, starting off. Uh, first things first, uh, shout out to Grandma D. Hey, Grandma uh, D. <laughs> Grandma D. That's going to be that's gonna be the first thing every week is we're going to shout out Grandma D. I hope so. we get another text in all caps. Yep, yep. Love you, Grandma D. But anyways, no, the first thing we really want to get into is that too we, far too, too far you shouted out right. i love you on the first on the first shout out love you no no that was that was the second one no oh, that's right we got it last week we do love grandma d but that's i say we could just do quick. a quick one every yeah. week like that could be part of your intro just, just like, sticking quick it shout out to grandma yeah. d just like, like move on if we have like, like no, that way no one even like they're like okay never mind like no one knows yeah so from now on it'll just be whoever's on the podcast plus grandma d mm. all right because we know she's the lo- the loyal listener she is. Of the show. So, anyways, uh, we're going to get straight into it. Um, a lot of news on the football recruiting front just in the last week. Um, over the last, I believe, let's see, over the last 19 days, we've had 15 commitments. That's mind boggling to think about. I mean, I think just since the last podcast last week, um, we've picked up double digit commitments. Um, so I, I guess just going straight into it, basically, um, what what is your all's take on uh, kind of the, the the recruiting class going from pretty much just um, a little bit of, of a concern to all of a sudden just um, commits left and right two and three a day um, over the last week? Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to see a run that's kind of like this in terms of how many players are added in such a short amount of time. I mean, you see classes all the time get on these hot streaks where they get a couple of recruits, but to go from three commitments on May 29th to 18th now, I mean, it's just been these these long days. I feel like I'm on a recruiting binge. Like, I mean, it's like from the morning I wake up and when I go to bed at night, there's recruiting news the whole time. Um, so it's awesome to see because I don't think we any of us would say we saw this happening like this this no. this fast. I mean, obviously we right. thought we were going to get kids at some point, but not this fast. Um, I love a lot of the players in the class. I love where they're building talent. I can see some of the trends that they're doing with trying to get more powerful and more fast, and uh, you know, just in different schemes of the game, they're trying to find these specific fits. And regardless of what the stars look like or what the player is or what he isn't, you know, I, I think it's just interesting to see them get this many players that fast. Right, and and to your point, I think there's also a little bit of concern to play the devil's advocate here. You know, people keep talking about online uh, with with the player ratings and and now they are a little bit lower uh, on some of these and we're now finding out we're recruiting from uh, JUCO rankings and I mean they're high level JUCOs but they are a little bit more of a gamble Uh, but in my mind I think the staff is focused extremely on culture as well and people need to understand that in my mind uh, that it's not just we're gunning for the most athletic kid we want to find the most athletic kid that fits our culture and what we're really trying to to do here and I I think that's going to be the key going forward to get the higher level recruits uh next season as well is just you want to establish that foundation culture as well and and they've they haven't even stepped foot onto a football field yet like this changes for like this can completely change and you win against Notre Dame or you win against you know Boston College or Florida State early on see what that does for the 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 type of class that you can get in terms of players that are going to pay attention to you when you're no longer two and ten I think that every one of these players, too, fits a mold 
Um, right. As far as every player um, has uh, more than reputable G- GPA, um, they have uh, they seem like high character guys. They seem like, and I said, I know that sounds so cliche, but it's there are oftentimes recruits that commit and um, or you know players that you'll see um, that aren't always the. I mean, just plain and simple, aren't aren't the highest character guys. And yeah, I, I think that. that it's that's not necessarily uh, um, an indictment of the current stat, state of right. the team, um, but you have a bunch of guys who um, came in and they were a part of this um, kind of tainted culture. Right. Um, so you have to find the guys that that are the right fit. You have to find guys that the staff is already talking about. You know, some of these um, players coming in and immediately making an impact just from coming from the outside and kind of providing a, a fresh right. freshness, a little bit more energy um, to whether it be the weight room practice um, or anything meeting related. Rooms. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and, and a major theme you keep seeing uh, with all these post commit uh, interviews that are going on with the kids that have already committed to the university. The one thing that I keep seeing out of that is the staff told me, you know, the plan they have for me and how I fit not only into yeah. on the it's field, so but also fit into them yeah. off the field. Like they, they literally told these kids, you know, here's, how you're going to be used and utilized right. during, you know, during actual games as a player. But right. like, here's why we think you're a great fit for us as well off the field. And I think that's a huge you're exactly thing right. that a lot of kids might not uh, hear from other programs. Yeah, you oftentimes hear when players commit to a program, regardless of if it's Louisville or you know Alabama or Clemson or even any program, right? You're going to hear them say a couple of things. One of them being that I felt like family. Like I felt like they had a this kind of plan or they felt like I felt like they were going to use me in this role right now with the way that they're able to recruit kids like they're really able to say hey I want you to do exactly this and this is who I'm gonna like I envision you seeing it it's super personalized and it's changing the way that they are building like relationships with the players I would imagine I mean but they don't have anybody right now on their roster who they can say this guy's already doing this you're gonna follow behind him like this is gonna become you are gonna be the face of this first installation of this part of the game in this new era like that's you know what i'm saying like that's how they're recruiting these kids right and i also don't think it's it's any um you know it's not coincidence that you're seeing a wave of all these commits after they've had their camps you know after every camp they've held so far you're seeing a flurry of activity right pop up and i really think that's uh, a testament to you know every kid has talked about right. just watching the staff mm-hmm. interact with each other even during camps like the coach was so cool. Frank Ponce is the funniest guy I've ever met. You know, you're hearing all these personalized comments about each of these specialty right. coaches as well. Uh, so it's really cool to hear that, you know, the staff is very professional and they obviously know how to get down to business and evaluate talent, but they're having fun while they're doing it and, right. and recruits are seeing it. Right. Let me ask you this, Ethan. I'm going to ask this in a very general way. I'm not going to say any <laughs> names or any heights or any jersey numbers. Do you have a worry that when there's these camps going on and it's this real mountaintop high moment and these players are seeing what it could be, that maybe that ha- that kind of takes away when they commit and then walk away and they're not here for however long or you know they're 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 not around like that big moment and that the emotions kind of dial down. Do you get worried that maybe players will begin to kind of question their decision or maybe think elsewhere or you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a legitimate concern, but. I'm confident in this staff's ability to to have good, sustainable relationships with these guys. Uh, that's something that that seems like is a, a huge strong suit for this staff. They're super charismatic and likable. I mean, that's something you guys were touching on. Um, so, and right now, for the time being, we just need to trust the staff. 
right. on, on their ability to evaluate talent and to recruit players that are going to fit their own system basically until they, the staff gives us the reason not to trust them. Um, and, and right now, you know, they're going, they're going through their lumps. They're, you know, getting who they can and they're on fire right now. Um, that wasn't the case about a month ago, but, um, <clears throat> cause, cause like you all were saying, we we're, we just went through a two and 10 season. Satterfield hasn't even coached his first game yet. If you look up Scott Satterfield, you still see him in Appalachian state polos. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's going to take a while for us to fully kind of get rid of the Bobby Petrino cloud stink. stink. Yeah. Whatever you want to call it. Um, Bobby stink. <laughs> the Bobby stink. But, uh, but I mean, I'm excited. There's lots of, of reason for hope down the road with this staff. If we just peruse, if we, we take a look at the 19, I believe, players that are committed right now. Is it 18 um, or 19? I can't keep it straight. I don't even know at this point. I mean, by the time somebody listens to this, it'll be 19 or 20. So um, Currently 18. Yeah, it, it'll, it might be 19. I would imagine it would be 19. It probably is going to be like 23 by the time we're done. <laughs> yeah. By the time the baseball game starts again at 10 p.m. <laughs> yeah. um, if, we, if we take a look at the recruiting class right now, um, who, who are just one or two names that really stand out to you? I know last time, um, that we did this, I, I believe. Don't you Alex even think about I, answering that either. Yeah, don't, <laughs> just, don't just even. Shut down. This man. is directed at everybody over 21. Um, <laughs> Burn. Oh, no, no, that wasn't. That wasn't even. A, this is directed at all us old, washed-up folks that aren't in college anymore. Um, if you take a look at the recruiting class, you can't say. Uh, I believe last time we said T. Webb and Jamel Starks. Yeah. Uh, was it Jamal Starks? No, because Starks or, uh, is 19. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You would have probably said Delancey or yeah, uh, yeah, Ronald Delancey or yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so if, love, if we take a look, who who are the new names that have popped up on our radar? Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll be here for forever talking about. But right, you've got, right. I don't know. I think there's seven, eight, nine guys who are new from the last time we talked. Uh, there's a couple of things. This class is kind of split into two for me. I'm excited about a player who I think is going to be like a can't miss. Like this dude's going to be a stud. And then I've got the guy who they, you know, who they got. Who I'm like, okay, all right. Like I can see just a tiny bit of what they're talking about with the sure. naked eye. Um, so I'm really excited about Kobe Baines. I think that's going to be like our next Mackay Becton. Like that's the guy who's going to be the, okay. the, the stud of the offensive line. And then I'm really, really excited about Braden Smith just because of uh, when you look at what he can do with the football and this staff, the way that they're going to execute offenses, it doesn't matter what position you play. If you can like make moves on the field, you're fast, you can do it. You know, you can, you, you're elusive. They're going to play you in different roles. And I think that he's going to become kind of that like, wild card uh wildcat quarterback or the slot wide receiver that they kind of do some unique things with and he's going to become a weapon like a dynamic weapon i agree because as a fan um and someone who kind of tries to follow the recruiting a little more closely than than the average fan you know it's it's a really fun time because the staff really doesn't have any current high expectations whether it be recruitment or even games one because I think Vegas has them right now at three and a half, and I think right. our our low bar for them is probably four games. I think is what we said. So, mm-hmm. looking at some of how they evaluate talent for their system, it's it's crazy because there's kids that I am you know tracking on our radar that we're trying to listen to see like all right when are they going to make a, a commit? What are they leaning to? Things like that, and then all of a sudden, 
you know, like, hey, we got a commitment from Joint Martin, and I'm like, okay, so who's who's Joint Martin? And then right. I start analyzing yeah, right. him, and I'm like, wow, I was like, all right, this kid actually looks like, and that's what I, like a power horse. Right. I mean, like it was crazy. I watched his film and I loved it, and I was like, okay. But you he, look at he his looks like a grown man right now. You like, look at his offer sheet, and you're like, well, I mean, East Carolina, right. like you know, Wofford, like why is he not? Why exactly. does he not have an offer from from Cincinnati? Why does he not have an offer from Rutgers? Like why are at least not the least right. of the Power Five schools offering this kid? And that kind of debtors you at the beginning, but you you right. put the film on and you see like, okay, this dude is a mauler. Like whether yeah. he's got the ball or whether he's tackling the ball, like he can do both. And he, I can see where he fits in X role. Right, and I think yeah. I, I think there is, um, you know, there's some honest honesty when you're when you're having those doubts about like looking at some of the offer sheets. You've seen that numerous times online so far. And I think going back to Ethan's point, that's the part where you really have to have faith in yeah. this new staff about right. they're not evaluating the the talent for your offense right. we're evaluating the talent for for what we're about to put on the field yeah. so you have to trust us exactly. in the kind of kids we want and like i said even if they're not the four or five star athlete that the cards fans are, are hoping for right you know if it fits their system and it fits their culture right you need that to build upon for next season i think the next two recruiting classes like everyone's talking about is really where we're going to see the staff shine oh, yeah. and it, it's really going to be where the bar is getting raised i think what stands out to me too um, about this coaching staff is number one, they have to be one of the hardest working coaching staffs in the country. And I know every coaching staff puts in those 14 to 16 hour days. Um, I, I get that. Um, but to me, when they find this many diamonds in the rough, and again, this isn't trying to put a spin on anything. It's just when a player doesn't even have a recruiting profile, like they're not just going on, you know, two, four, seven sports, like a fan or something. And just like, you know, perusing the names on a list and, you know, figuring out the difference between the 1,546 ranked player and the 1,426 ranked, you, you know what I'm saying? Like there's not, they're, mm -hmm. they're definitely, you know, they are using connections, they're using past experience, which is something that, again, not a shot at the former coaching staff, but kind of is a little bit that these guys all have the experience that, that the old coaching staff didn't have on a recruiting trail too. So they have the connections and they have the ability to kind of go out there and find these uh, diamonds in a rough again is another cliche, but and find find these guys that are much lesser known. And you know, basically, when you when you look at a at a highlight tape or you kind of listen to people who are experts on the situation, they're like, oh, crud, this kid's kind of good. And I think we could see that come to fruition over the next couple of months too. When you got when you have guys, they haven't even touched the field yet, like right. as, as seniors in high school. Like this could right. change. This, this group of players could change drastically in the fact that sure. Somebody might be the next big star, and they're going to start getting offers from Clemson and Alabama. We're going to be mm -hmm. like, you know what? They they saw it. Like, there's the player. Right. And then it could be the other way around, where Louisville, you know, right. some of these guys are like, oh, I don't, I don't necessarily know if this dude, if this cat can play here. Like, no, you're exactly right. I think Louisville could be the catalyst for some of these kids getting more Power Five offers when it's all said and done. So which helps whether they get it them does. or not. And yeah. I think to Ethan's point, you know, it's going to be critical that they maintain a, a great consistent relationship with a lot of the kids that that they really want to hold on to and the thing with Satterfield is that's exactly what he did at Appalachian State he had that running back commit ended up going to Auburn and right. ended up being this the From stud of their class App right. State to Auburn yeah like that, mean, that's your recruiting effort right and there. let's also I mean, not forget crazy. I mean I know this is at this point it's become a cliche but with the talent that Satterfield brought in and evaluated at App State Every time he would go up against a Power Five opponent, he would compete, and his team looked like they they may not have won, 
but they look like they belong. They didn't just get, you know, wiped, sure. wiped yeah, across yeah. the field like we did last season. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and another uh, big thing to remember here is the second recruiting cycle is always the most important one. With with Charlie's second one, it was the 27th ranked recruiting class. I'm looking at it right now. Mm-hmm. It, it would have been the fifth best class in the ACC, which would be our best recruiting class ever um, in the ACC. And, and that's when it's the most important. Once you have a full season – coaching at the, at your new school yeah, and results make, on a field ex- results on a field relationships that's when you can start to judge this staff on recruiting that's yeah. when you can start to say okay you know maybe let's start landing a few four stars a few like right. more high three-star guys um that's when i think fans can start to be a little more critical yeah and i think what's going to be even more important than you know who the players that they end up getting in this class i think what's or who these guys even are. Like, what's more important is the excitement that I have seen been rallied through this fan base in a matter of 20 plus days to go from being kind of like, ah, eh, you know, I don't really know. Like, I need to see it first. Mm-hmm. Everybody's like, well, where's the recruits? Like, if they're a great coaching staff, they'll have guys recruiting and, you know, committed like some of the other new coaches do. And then over the last 20 days, the way that they've teased everything on Twitter, like, it has really sparked some excitement in this fan base. And I think it's going to make a huge difference when games actually roll around and fans. They may not. They may not. You know, we may have a chance as a, as a program to win the football game, but it's about competing and just continuing to see growth. And I, as long as that's there, I think the fans are going to continue to rally, and that is going to be the thing that look we look back on this and say that changed the way that the the fan base w- supported the team right away. Right, and I think uh, just on another side note about the staff and just recruitment in general so far, um, I don't think fans have have realized the night and day difference even on social media of this staff every coach so far has been incredible on social media in terms of transparency in terms of engagement in terms of crazy memes every time somebody uh you know alerts for a commitment i mean it's been awesome and when you think about how the former staff didn't even have bobby's phone number except for (laughs) one person that's insane. So, yeah. and, uh, and these guys are playing They're never going to have to worry about that. These like, guys are playing yeah, pick-up ball right. at noon, you know, and, and literally hitting each other up on Twitter, yeah. like knocking jokes. I mean, it's right. incredible. It's like, really we, cool. We're not used to this unprecedented access, and we got it last year with basketball, and we're getting yeah. it this year with football, and it's just a, a new whole leaf for fans. Exactly. Yeah. And it gives us a whole new insight to watch them. This will be the last thing I say, but uh, on this topic specifically, because I'm not going to stop talking. That's not going to happen. But <laughs> uh, Bruce Feldman wrote a great piece for The Athletic today about the, the turnaround and the recruiting success over the last few weeks. And one thing he pointed out is a lot of the times teams will replace coaches because they're an offensive guy and it's just not working and they'll go to a defensive guy or, you know, you're really good with, with this, like, uh, you know, whether it's passing game or the running game, they'll switch because of the schemes. They want to get to something different. They'll have an older coach. They'll go to a younger coach. They go from firing a younger coach to hiring an older coach for Louisville. They literally are like, we're going to go from having a crappy guy to a super, super nice guy. Like they're, they're all about personality switch from going from this one style to this new style of personality. And I think more than anything, that's going to pay off. Right. For the, Louisville the, didn't need the like a scheme change. They needed no. a, a cultural overhaul and it sounds so cliche to say that but it really is true but i mean everything from the president down like that that's the whole thing this new louisville program it's not even about athletics anymore it's about just a whole new leaf for for everyone and i think we've also seen vince definitely has a type with chris mack satterfield they're all they're pretty similar in the fact that you know social media savvy kind of innovative cool big family guys yeah they're not 
we're not getting we're not hiring any more Bobby Petrinos anymore. Right. right. Well, and we're kind of in a in an era too where this is just overall as far as just business, as far as in the workplace. We're transitioning culturally um, right now in America to a place where when you make mistakes, they're out there. Yeah. And when things happen, it's out there for people to see. If you're a good person, um, that's that that's going to show by the way that you in the way that you treat people and the way that people feel about working for you, working around you. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the the Bobby Petrinos of the world. Um, and granted, you know, there's still successful coaches like Bettino, like Saban, like you know, the list goes on and on. But, um the Popoviches, you know, the, those those coaches though are going out of style. The new wave of coaches are the Max, the Calipari's, yep. the Satterfields, the Dabo Sweeney's. You know, these guys they know how to to play the game. And I'm not talking about X's and O's. I'm talking about just as far as culturally um, being accepted by players, welcoming them, making them feel like a family. Um, and in in the age of social media. In the age of you know kids, you know every kid of the recruiting from now on it was born after 2000. Like it just blows my mind to think about. It. I know it doesn't yours, Ethan, but I feel old, it, man. I mean, like every so every kid they're gonna be recruiting next year, yeah, doesn't remember 9/11. Like that's just, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, and again, you know, not the probably you know, actually sad, even born probably exactly. Yeah. Is, so it, there, it's just a whole new era of, of kids. Um, and it's not that kids are coddled any as much or any of that kind of stuff. I'm not going to get in, in any of that kind of stuff. But that that's just the way that you have to treat people now. People uh, expect to be treated with with decency. They expect to be included. Um, they expect you know to feel like they're part of a family. You know, if you're going to go and and live and play somewhere for somebody, um, they don't want to be treated like crap for four years. You know, mm-hmm. they want to come in and and this be their home. Right. be a place where they want to stay forever. I, um, and and I, I think that, that he's doing a um, – yeah, Ty Ray's doing a great job of, of getting those people in. I want to see – the thing I'm most excited about with just the team on the field is seeing what happens. What do they look like when they go down by a touchdown? Like that, mm-hmm. the first time. I just want to see what that looks like because we know what happened last year. We know it's the same – for the most part, it's the same group of guys who are on the field when they quit. Obviously, they have more reason now to play football – the best that they can all the time, no matter what the score is. But like, I don't know if you all are intrigued by that. Like what, what is, what's their mentality become for the first time when they're getting their butts kicked? I'm so intrigued by this. And this is actually something that I was thinking about yesterday. So it's funny that you actually brought this up, but if you just think back to outside of Lamar Jackson, um, basically Petrino's teams in his second stint just laid down. Like if, when teams got down, if they came back and won, it was only because of Lamar Jackson. That's right. it. It was like, and that's just because you have a tran, uh, transcendent, transcendent, transcendent player. Fourth try. Yeah, Excuse me, radio guy with the stutter. Yeah. But <laughs> after Charlie's guys left, like I mean, not to to separate them like that, but no. once Charlie's the guys that Charlie played or coached for a couple of years, once they were gone, that was a different program. Well, I mean, in the, people, the energy was just different. People didn't enjoy not blowing out teams. Like I, I remember, in, especially like the year in the AAC when that was potentially their best team ever, and they're only beating teams by 7, yeah. 10, 14 points. Right. But we would take that back in a heartbeat because even when they got down, there was literally no let-up. And like there was so much trust in that in those defenses. Like You could be down 7 points in the middle of the fourth quarter, and we're like, oh, we got Teddy and we got a great defense. We're probably going to win this game. Yeah, but that yeah. was m- yeah. multiplied. When you had Lamar, because Lamar could easily yeah. score, but and, they, and the defense was so much worse. Like he'd be like, "Oh, we're, you know, they're back. We were up by 21, and now they're back within it." But it's all right, right? We got Lamar, but, like it's not a big deal. What I'm saying though is, 
that didn't happen though. Like that that should have been the expectation, right? When you have a right. transcendent player on the sideline and you're down seven, I mean, the only two games that even come to mind in the entire second Petrino era where they came back was against Virginia, who was not Virginia of last year or this year. They were crap that year. That was the one-handed catch touchdown, right, with Jalen Smith? Yeah, so you had the Jalen Smith touchdown, but before that, like, that was an awful game. And before that, they pulled a crap play, a a two-yard fourth and two conversion that went literally through a guy's hands in Nicole Hicatini's. Yeah. we, We could be talking about that game being a loss. Um, and then uh, other games that stand out are like, you know, going up 28-7 to against Florida State and when Jameis Winston came in, which, again, another transcendent oh, player. But, Most frustrating game I can remember as a Cardinal football but fan, man. There, there are so many instances where Louisville blew leads and never came back, and there's only maybe one instance where they actually came back. Now, again, the, the obviously the huge game against Clemson and, you know, going into Death Valley and uh, having, having that comeback against Clemson and nearly winning and the whole James Quick situation and all that stuff. Um that could have potentially been the one comeback of the Petrino era, but there's literally no, like nothing. Does anything come to well, mind? I mean, nothing even close. Well, I was just going to say really quick, I was watching the uh, App State Penn State game mm-hmm. um, over the, uh, probably like a day or two ago. And um, they had a play. It was the first drive of the game for Penn State. And, and um, <clears throat> App State made a stop. It was going to be three and out. It would have been huge momentum for App State. Mm-hmm. But, um, one of their one of the App State players committed penalty. roughing the passer, yeah, right? Something like yeah. that. I think yeah. it was a, and or like personal personal foul or something. Or, right, right. And <laughs> it cost them their their three and out stop yeah. on defense. That could have changed the whole game for them. And then Penn State ends up after that penalty drives on the field, scores a touchdown. And I remember thinking, like, if that was Louisville. All, every fan in the over. stadium would be thinking, "Well, that's, it's game over, yeah, <laughs> seven nothing, been, and it's game over." Right. Yeah. But App State—I mean, we all know what happened. App State ends up coming down the very next play and scoring, uh, returning the kickoff for a touchdown, and battled them the whole game. That—that that is what you see with Scott Satterfield. Right. The resilience factor. The resilience. Absolutely. They don't—they don't lay down. Like we would have just laid down and be like, "Well, that's it." One. <laughs> I think to to summarize. Uh, my last piece on on this is uh, going back to the article Jacob mentioned, the Bruce Feldman um, athletic article about Satterfield. To answer your to answer your question, um, you know, I I really think he summarizes it awesome uh, by Satterfield basically saying, whenever this team gets down, you know, it's it's letting these kids know you have their best interests as a football player and as human beings. Uh, it's the it's the trickle down effect, uh, and it's being positive. It's letting these kids know that people are human and you're going to make mistakes. It's how you respond. It's how you bounce back. Uh, it's not going to be that if you make a mistake. We're going to – what does he say here? Uh, even if we you know, get beat on a play, we understand these things happen. So I mean, it's, it's a totally different mindset shift than the last staff. I mean when you heard stories about like coaches not even letting – uh, Puma Pass, no, he's not even going back out on the field to start right. a series. I mean, like, you have crap like that going on during games. No wonder we got blown out. No no wonder kids were dejected on the sideline. There was no energy. There was just sadness and negativity and quietness, like, on the sidelines. Like, it, it was sad to see. And I think these guys understand that. I think that's exactly the mission they have coming into that is just to reverse that as quickly as possible. Do you think, and I think that, the coaches said, I remember when they did some interviews right around Derby week, um, the coaches said, you know, we're not really doing anything different than what we did at our previous jobs. We're just treating them right. 
Um, do you think that that's true, or do you think that there's actually a little bit more of a of a emphasis placed on you know trying to be more kind-hearted, trying to be kind of softer about things? Yeah, or... I don't know. If, do you remember in the article he talked about how they have punishments for if they don't follow through with something? But it, he, he Scott Satterfield specifically said they were looking around at us as coaches, waiting for us to yell at them. Like that's what for the first eight practices we had with them, they finally really? figured out that's not going to be us. And he's like, we, you know, we hold them to a certain standard. They have to do this when they're asked, and they have to do it like this. And if not, yeah, there's punishments, but it's not out of like a, you know, hateful no. way or you know, in a, in a bad manner. It's about just continuing to understand. Like you got to do, mm-hmm. you got to make the smart decision here, and you got to be right. And it's in a very <laughs> loving way. Well, and they understand like a kid's gonna make the extra effort mm-hmm. if you love him as a human mm-hmm. being. Like that that's the whole thing. These kids like these coaches are actually taking a legitimate interest in these in the kids' people, yeah. lives. Yeah. And they didn't have that before. Well, there's a big difference in being yelled at and told you did something wrong when you don't think that they have your their best your best interests at heart and are able to, you know, adequately coach you and lead you and the opposite of that. Right. You know, and now now that these guys know that these guys that the, these this staff wants the best for them and is gonna be able to help them reach their goals that's a huge difference when you're getting yelled at by you know the previous right you know, that's yeah. that's how you get kids to run through a brick wall exactly for you. Right. Say, when, when you, i wouldn't run through a roll of toilet paper for bobby no, no. bobby no. stank man <laughs> <laughs> he's bobby got that toilet well, paper you, you couldn't deliver a roll to his office because no one knew where it was at <laughs> yeah. so like it, it, yeah. it's incredible the change like how quickly these things, and it's sad it even took eight practices for kids to yeah. figure that out like but that that's the sad reality of it. Yeah. Well, let's transition. We've talked a lot about football the last week and a half. It's been good being with you guys, man. We were apart, not recording for what, like six weeks, four weeks? It's been forever. It's We've done it twice in the last week. Well, uh, we need to to keep up with all the recruiting. Yeah, all, exactly, right. Yeah. We should be having a, a daily say, we'll, podcast. We'll be back tomorrow morning. Right? Yeah, to talk about the nine more. They're they're <laughs> yeah. done. They signed everybody. It's over. They already got for 2020. <laughs> there, is there another one? No, I'm just no, no, Alex, you, you put throw your hands up and they did just announce no, nothing, Louisville nothing Live 2.0 though. They did. That. Oh, all right. Really? When is that? Do they have the date yet? Uh, Are you allowed to talk about this first? Of all? I, yeah. It's if you public, need to pass the phone off, yeah, it's just read knowledge. the the it, press report or the press release. Oh, all right. <laughs> Sorry, there's just a video. Hold on. It is. <laughs> hold on. Transitioning. Uh, September 27th. There you go. Mark your calendars. Can't folks. wait, man. Well, that's a perfect transition. We we go from talking about uh, football into talking about Louisville Live, and we're going to talk a little bit about the class that comes in that started and originated this this past uh, whatever winter. I don't even know what the months were recruiting last year for basketball. This right. last summer, sure. they bring in a top 10 class. According to 247 Sports, it is actually the 11th class now, and that's been because of some late movement. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the the class of six guys. Let's talk about Lamar Kimball, Fresh Kimball. I I don't have any problem calling him Fresh Kimball. People are like, I'm not going to call him that Brit, until he scores some points. It's literally what he goes by. It's not. It's not like the yeah, right, thing. It's literally right. what he. Yeah. Right. Right. I, that's. It would be weird if you didn't call him Fresh. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um. And let's talk about impact a little bit. Let's talk about roles. Let's talk about what we kind of project and see from these players. Presley, I believe you wrote the article a couple of weeks back, just ranking these guys in terms of. Who's going to provide the most impact year one? Not necessarily who's going to be the best long term. And I disagree with it. All right. Well, we'll get into that. So who's going to be, in terms of year one, this team knowing that this is a Final Four potential basketball team, you need freshmen who come in right away and provide this, that, you know, whatever it is. So when you look at seven through one, 
who is the guy that provides the most this season? And, th- and you can think about it again. It's not necessarily who's going to have the best career. So if it's not right. Samuel Williamson, that doesn't mean anything. Like that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player. Right. And then kind of just walk through, you don't have to go one by one, but just kind of walk through the points of, I think this is going to be somebody who plays. And I think this is going to be somebody who's a star. And I yeah, think yeah. This is going to be somebody that is, you know, you know, might not play a lot this year. It could be somebody who transfers. And this is, you know, the list that I've made is not based on career wise, because I think that it would have been completely different than, than how um, everything played out. I think that the top two, I think there's a top tier and then I think that there's kind of everybody else. Um, but I, I think that you could go one, two with fresh Kimball and Samuel Williamson. I think that they're the most important. I think they're going to be the most utilized, um, players coming into this season. Um, the reason being because, um, a lot of the talk has been about, um, how Samuel Williamson's on the rise, um, maybe more than anybody else in the country. I think that he's seen as one of the more underrated players. I think it's kind of a guy that was, that was, um, I don't want to call him a hidden gem because, you know, when you're a top 50 type of guy, um, I don't think that you're a hidden gem. I just think that he was a guy that has continued the growth of his body and of his game and just developing in general. Um, but he's really – he's one of the first players in a long time that's just an electric offensive player. Um, I mean, he can score from all over the floor. He's a blossoming three-point shooter, but he's more of a mid-range guy, um, can create his own shot, get to the bucket. Um, he's a very underrated passer. Um, I, I don't know if that's that's something that people know about him, which is why I think a lot of people have been saying that he could be rejected as a two guard. Right. I, I know that Max said a little bit different, um, just because he doesn't want guys playing a bunch of different positions. But um, I think that Williamson is, if, if you're talking about just the most important, I mean, I, I think that there's nobody nobody else you look at besides Williamson and maybe Fresh Kimball. Um, reason I say Fresh Kimball is just because you have to have somebody to replace Chris and Cunningham. Um, so when you look at when you look at Kimball, I mean he's a guy that's been a captain for his entire life. Basically, every single year he's right. been on, on a basketball that's team, a he's point. been a captain. Right. Um, so he's he's a guy that's going to bring different, basically value in, in in a bunch of different ways. Um, so when when you look at when you look at Kimball, he's he's multi multifaceted. So he's a guy who is going to be able to play point guard. He can distribute. He's a guy who can get to the bucket um, at at will. I guess you would say. Um, and but he's also a prolific scorer. Like he's a guy that you don't mind having the ball in his hands. He's a guy that um, very similarly to Cunningham last year is a guy that can just go out and get a bucket for you when you're kind of in a pinch when you you know need a little bit of a momentum shift. And he's a guy that kind of – it seems like when he was at St. Joseph's, he kind of put the team on his back at times and just kind of went out and just got it done. Right. Um, and I, I also, the, the last thing I'll say about Kimball, too, is I feel like he's going to be a dog on defense. When, when you guys when, – when you have – I think that's going to be the biggest improvement from, from Cunningham to Kimball. It's not, not a knock against Cunningham, but I just think that Kimball is more of an aggressive defender. Um, and I think that he's a guy that you can trust in crunch time on the floor and, and – uh, on defense, which is something that UofL didn't really have last year. Right. No, and I know I came out harsh and said I disagree as soon as Jacob brought up your article. Unbelievable. The only part I disagree about uh, is is the very last two guys you said. I just want to swap them. I think in terms of needs. So who's who I, are who are those guys? If you don't mind I, me asking. I want to swap Fresh Kimball uh, with Samuel Williams. Oh, okay. In terms, oh, of, okay, okay. Time, okay. In terms of one and two. Yeah. So I do. I, I think honestly, Fresh Kimball. Uh, this upcoming season would probably be my most 
you know, number one impactful player coming in. Just from the reasons you stated right there, not only does you do you have leadership qualities coming in, mm-hmm. you have tournament experience, mm-hmm. uh, you have a true leader, uh, you have the only point guard, uh, or you have the only three-year captain in St. Joseph's history. I mean, he, he screams nothing but but leadership, and and that's what you need um, when you bring in six freshmen. You right. Know, I, right. I, I think. Everything you said about Samuel, uh, he will blossom. I think he's going to be amazing, and it's going to be really, really fun to watch. Uh, but also, sorry, I got fist pumps. In let, the let, hold on, let's stop this conversation for a bit because I want to read this tweet and I want to try to speculate what we think it is. Can you read it, or did you just put your phone away after you showed it to oh, me? Yeah, I got, I got it. Share with the class. Yeah, so, yeah, I think this is going to be interesting. The, the, next time, the next time you come to the Yum Center for a home game, this court is going to look a little different. Chris Mack. Apparently, that's what he said. So tonight is the perfect attendance banquet thing. I don't oh even know what you call it. God. Fellas, it's going so, down. Is the dunking bird back? Oh I think it's my. officially back. That's got to be what it is, right? I think, yeah. I, I think the practice facility was a taste of the what he was The swagger is unprecedented Because right there was a so huge hyped. cry from the fan base for put this in the Yum Center when, yeah. they, when they did it in the practice facility. It, well, if you just listened to, um, as I did literally just an hour ago, Listen to Vince Tyre's um, interview with, I believe it was with uh, with Mark Ennis. Is, is that right? No, I think Bob, uh, Bob, Bob Valvano. Yeah. Excuse me. So he was on with Valvano um, the, earlier this week, and he was just talking about just having kind of a pulse for the fan base. And we kind of discussed this last time, um, but he very much um, was just a fan before he came in. You know, I mean, he, mm-hmm. he's obviously a successful businessman, but he's a guy who, you know, I don't think that Tom Dredge was was buddy buddy with a bunch of just dudes that are just sitting in two seventeen. Like, he, you know, <laughs> like I mean, and that that's who Tyree was. Like when they came and asked him to be the AD, he was literally just like sitting in a box watching a U of L football game. Right. Like he was just like having a beer, and they're like, "Hey, do you want to be the athletic director?" I mean, obviously it didn't go down like that. <laughs> no, I think it might have. I mean, it, it honestly it. might that's have. Like how how things were at U of L back then. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Yes, everything was much more lax back then. Yeah. So. Um, but no, in dead serious. I mean, he has such a pulse for the fan base, and something as stupid as I mean, the stupid pink seats. Like we went on about that for twenty minutes on, on our last pod. If you got, if you want to check it out, but <laughs> that's uh, how sad it was during the off season of number one mainstream sports. Right, fans meets fan. Um, just being a fan meets business, right? Right. When you have Tyre, and he has has been listening. He and he sees when recruits come in, they're like, it's kind of weird that the new expansion is bright red and the old expansion is bright red, and the rest of the seats look like you know, crap, basically. Yeah. And so, the business side of things was that he found an affordable way to turn the seats red without having to unbolt them all from the concrete yeah. and take them out. And I mean, the fan in him found that on Twitter. He's, I swear, he's 50-50. Yeah. He's a businessman, half. I'm going to just scroll yes. through Twitter and see what everybody's talking about. No, no, and I might fix it, maybe, if it's worth fixing. Seriously, I think that's how the, the Dunkin' Cardinal and the M Center happened because I saw people. Exactly. I, I tweeted about it with the Villains account, too. Like, hey, yes, let's do this. And then you know, Lottie and Vince saw it. I mean, here it, we are. Just, I mean, if you think about, it, and it's going back again to the, just the cultural side of things. Like, you know, there's places like Louisville's not Penn State. Like, they're going to change their jerseys seven times a year. Exactly. Like, Louisville's not Alabama. Louisville's not I'm Kansas. Okay with that. and that's Kentucky. Okay. Yeah, Louisville's totally Louisville, cool, and, and and that's that's the culture here, and they want to establish. We like, got a fat athletic contract, though. So. That, I mean, it, it, right, <laughs> yeah. right, but but still got that ring. Exactly, still got that fat butt ring. 
Um, <laughs> all right, let, but, let's jump back yes. in and let him. But let anyways, Alex, continue, continue. continue. Oh God! After that, okay. we now return from your regularly scheduled programming. Right back to basketball. Okay. Um, no, but yeah, I, I would just say I think Sammy Williamson's upside absolutely, yes, as number one in terms of coming in uh, talent wise. I just think in terms of needs for next right. year's team, I did not. Hundred percent. No one. Not a knock against Perry, but we needed another true point guard because we saw how valuable CC was last season. And that's all the reasons we just stated right before the breaking news. I think um, that that's my pick for for the number one impact player because we're going to have to rely on Fresh uh, a ton for the yeah. leadership. And then obviously Perry can come in when you know he needs a break. But we, we needed a true point guard, and we got a point guard bulldog leader yeah. like you talked about. So. And I'll, I'll let you guys take this one too, but, but what do you think – do you think the expectations are too high for any of these top two? Because, I, you know, as I stated, and I'm not sure if you guys agree with me, but with Kimball and Williamson, I think there's a clear tier between Kimball and Williamson and the rest of the, the, the newcomers. Um, what do you guys think about the expectations for Kimball and Williamson? Do you think that people are too high on Williamson, perhaps, and that it could be similar to like a B.J. King Wayne Blackshear type thing where they right. come in as an All-American and it's just the expect the bar was just too high right. already. I mean, is there a possibility of that, or is this is is Williamson a different player than? than uh, well, I think it might be if they came in and from day one they were going to be relied upon in terms of be the best player on the team, uh, but you're also one of only a few players that are you know you're dealing with players who aren't Jordan Wara and Stephen Enoch in terms of coming back. Maybe you just have Darius Ryan coming back and Dwayne. Right. And Sam's going to be asked to do a lot more. Fresh is going to be asked to do a lot more. You're returning, like you said, I think you know, 80 some odd percent of their percentage of scoring, 60 mm-hmm. some odd percentage of their rebounding. Like they're bringing back so much talent that Sam Williamson doesn't need to be great from day one. I think by the, se- the end of the season, you'll see him be potentially Louisville's second best player. Like, I, but I don't think at first that that's what you're going to see because he's still, no matter how good he is, right. he's still new to college basketball and a new program. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'll I'll also say. Um, VJ King and Wayne Blackshoot, from what I remember, were not about to make the USA 19 team. I mean, this is they, true. This and is they true. and Sam Williamson was has been awesome in all the All Star games. He's and clear clear cut like all the other McDonald's All Americans said like he is the most underrated guy in this class. Right. Like he's one of the he was one of the best players on the court. All the recruiting analysts have been saying the same thing. That I I think the hype with VJ King and Wayne Blackshear was more more so from the fans. With uh, Sam Williamson, it's coming from the fans and the analysts and the players and other fellow recruits. So I, I think it's warranted. But we also do need to make sure that we don't put too much on this kid mm-hmm. because, for one, at Louisville, it's been a long time since we've had a freshman come in and just take over the country. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, until it happens – we shouldn't expect it. Um, that that's kind of my philosophy with a lot of things in, in sports. Yeah, and you don't have to. You don't have to. There's he, enough he talent. Have to There's yeah. a bunch of talent on that team that he doesn't have to be one and done right, and right away. I don't think people realize though, um, from a from a perspective of yes, when Wara came back, that was great for the team in terms of you know a leadership standpoint and sure. scoring. Um, but I think. War coming back is actually also going to have a profound effect on uh, Williamson's learning curve. Absolutely. Because in, in terms of putting too much pressure and too much of a load on him, 
if Ward didn't come back, he would be relied. Samuel Williamson would be relied upon so much more uh, for generating the points that we would miss with yeah. Wara. I think Wara coming back gave him just allowed him to take a deep breath and say, "Okay, it's not just all on me in terms of of scoring these points." Uh, and he also has a, I mean, think about it. He's got a daily mentor to look up to. Uh, to, to sharpen. I mean, these Absolutely. kids are l- literally going to go after each other in practice every day, and I think that's really going to pay off as well. So I think Wara coming back just has even more benefit than people really realize, um, right. not just from an instant wins and, and point standpoint, but it's really going to help Sam out uh, in, in the years after. Yeah. Who's your X factor? Who's the guy that you don't think people are talking about enough about in, terms of the, in terms of the seven new? Not the whole fi- team, the seven new. Fifteen seconds or less, I would say Jalen Withers. I think that he's the guy with the highest ceiling of this entire class, that inclu- and that includes Williamson. I really do. Um, he is 6'9", 6'10". Um, he himself and his, his high school coaches expected him to be either a one-and-done or two-and-done going in, into college. Um, I mean, they've said that repeatedly. Um, so I, I think that he's a guy that if he comes in and puts on a little bit of weight on the offseason, he right. could be a guy that he could be competing for time this year. Like I, I don't think that should be understated. I really do think that he could push for playing time this year. Get in that Chris Mack weight program. Absolutely. Yeah. Who you got? Uh, uh, I really want to see Aiden uh, Agehan progress. I don't think uh, – I think some fans are like, oh, my gosh, you know, talking about starting him like day one. I don't think it's going to be that. I think he's going to average like maybe eight to ten minutes, something something a little more manageable and normal Agreed. for a freshman. But I just really want to see him um, – from all the all the glaring points that that the analysts have have picked up about like the things he really needs to improve on because he's just he's so raw as a player, I want to see them as a staff sharpen him throughout yeah. the season to see at the end of this year how good is he going to be once Enoch is gone because mm-hmm. uh, obviously we're going to have to really rely upon him next season. Yeah, what do you think? I agree with Press. I'm going Jalen Weathers as well because a, a lot of people forget he's in the class because he's probably the least like flashy on social media yeah, out of right. everybody. But he is really, really skilled. He's got great size, like Press said. And when I saw him in person at the open gym um, when they were here, he looked really, really good. He was just as good as Sam. And um, he held his own against our our own team at the time. So well, and the only uh, photo I think they uh, they took of that day when they had the open practice was Withers just tomahawk, yeah, smashing Got somebody. Yeah. Super, super athletic. athletic. Yeah, super I mean athletic. the hops on that kid looked insane. And he has a nice stroke as well. Who if if he if you're looking at a guy in the league right now, because I don't want to say this and just sound like a total idiot. Who do you think? Ooh, I don't. Do I don't. Withers? I need to see him play a little bit more on a with you know some. With college players, but I think just looking at him, maybe Jeremy Grant plays for the Thunder. I think that might okay. be a good comparison. I don't know in terms of what his potential is. Like I don't know if that's high enough or if that's low enough. If that's right in the middle, but like I think he'll project as like a a, a three four. Depends on where the game is, and you know it could be next year, or it could be three years down the road. But he's really long. He's really athletic. He if he gets in there and is able to make plays defensively, rebound and hit shots. I think that's kind of like where his ceiling is. It's completely unfair, and I'm going to get chastised for it. But he reminds me of Kevin Durant. I'm just going to say he didn't do that. I'm, I'm not going to. I'm no, not going to say first that thought, so. he shouldn't have Kevin Durant expectations because literally Kevin Durant is well, maybe not anymore. R.I.P. But but <laughs> Kevin Durant at this season was the best player in the world. Yeah. So it's. You know, that's like saying, you know, Louisville's newest football recruit is Tom Brady. Like, you know, it's just it's an unfair comparison. Right. But, but it's just the fact that he's he reminds, long, he's can shoot. I mean he can he dribbles the ball like a two or three. So yeah. it, 
to UK me, media I mean, is going to take that audio and be like, look, at Louisville fans talking about the football. And again, and again, I'm not saying that he's Kevin Durant, but I'm just saying when you look at him, he has, you know, over a seven foot wingspan. Like he, <laughs> you're overhyping. I mean, no, I'm not. Guys, I'm not overhyping. Okay, I'm no, just I saying. I agree, though. He does. He remind, his game he, is like him. He's doesn't mean he's as good. What I'm about, pretty sure his name on Twitter is Jalen Durant. Yeah. What I'm about saying. it is? Do you yeah. remember? Um, oh man, I'm gonna forget his name as soon as I, the the kid that Jonathan Isaac from Florida State. Yeah. Very similar in terms of how long he is, and I mean Isaac was a little bit okay, that's bigger. But Jonathan that's Isaac is a, is a perfect comparison for Jalen Withers, almost a Jalen Durant. And now we're going to welcome in our first guest on the Big Red Louie po- podcast, first guest in history of the show. Uh, he's a writer here. You guys know him from his hot takes on Twitter. DJ Bienemy, <laughs> former Louisville track and field star, now a established journalist headed to the great University of Columbia. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Thanks for the introduction. So you're in Miami, right? That's what I hear. Yeah, I'm chilling in Miami right now. The weather sucks right now, but... You know, you got to do what you got to do right now. Yeah, I bet there's not too much bad with the city of Miami. Let's jump right in, man. Let's talk a little bit of football. Been a lot of news uh, the last few weeks with recruiting. Uh, things just continue to get better and better. It seems like day by day we're getting two and three commits at a day or at a time each day, and it's been going on now for several weeks. Now a top 25 class in the recruiting ranking, something we never thought we'd hear in the first year, maybe even the second year of the Scott Satterfield era. 18 players committed in the class of 2020 probably more in the next couple of days, probably some right now where we're talking, honestly, committing to the University of Louisville. DJ, what do you think about what's been going on, man, uh, with Scott Satterfield? Like, where, where do you stand in terms of the, how the staff is doing this, what's going on, um, and, and some of the players that you're seeing commit? Well, I really do like the foundation that's being placed, in all honesty, because usually when you're building a program, you can't, you know, rush through the whole rebuild. Like Chris Mack went through this, you know, like his first year – I mean, you know, he had the roster that he had. And then during that season, we were getting a great recruiting class, similar to how this class, you know, Scott Stratusfield's first year, he's here. His first year isn't, you know, there's not a lot of talent coming in, but the following year, you got a top five, 20, top 25 recruiting class coming in. So he's building that foundation. It's like in sports, you just can't jump into the championship match. You have to continuously, you have to continuously go through, you have to continuously go through, um, building the program, you know, from day one, where it's, you know, you're going through training, you're going through um, lifting, going through nutrition, then you could consistently develop the program as you consistently go. And that's what he's doing right now with these recruits that he's bringing in, you know. I mean, a lot of this, right now I'm in the middle in terms of, like, the quality of recruits. I see people that, like, there's some people, like, way on the other side where they're like, oh, there are a bunch of three stars and, you know, the, the class is eventually going to drop. And there's people that's like, oh, doing a great job recruiting i'm more like in the middle where the fact that he's getting guys to commit is a step in the right direction because i mean you know hard is to get kids to commit to a two and ten program you know before the season even starts you know what i'm saying so um that that's a step in the right direction and it's all about build because you know he got he got the program in disarray it was in shambles and now he's building it back up um you can tell there's a genuine vibe surrounding program now so you hear all these haters and doubters or and and uh skeptics i guess on twitter or facebook or wherever else um on the radio um so you're saying that you don't think there's much merit to that that um that there's more reason to kind of be excited than there is to worry right now i feel like it should be it should be a healthy balance of both um if you're a fan 
you should be excited that there's people that want to come to your school. I feel like fans, you can think whatever you want. You're a fan. You can think whatever you want. If you want to think that these recruits are going to be the best thing since um, sliced bread, that's fine. You're a fan. You have the right to think that. Um, I, I feel like where the pushback was coming from people was people within the media that were kind of propping them up because fans, they generally get the perception of the team based off of what the media is telling them, you know? Like, that's why we thought, like, Louisville football was going to be good last year because Bobby was telling the media, no, the offense is going to be better than where it was when we had Lamar. Oh, we're really fast this year. We're going to be fast at every spot on the field. And they were turning at the media, and the media was turning that to the fans. And then that's when we had the disaster that we had. Um, so I feel like the um, the media, it's just been like an unhealthy balance of, you know, you got people on opposite sides of the spectrum instead of like everybody just coming to the middle. Like, you don't have to boost these kids up like they're all going to be, you know, stars. Like the chance of that is slim to none. Like some of them will be really good. Maybe one or two will be stars, and like a lot of them, will be very, very good Louisville players, you know. Um, and that's all part of the building process, you know. Um, there's no need for people to, I guess, hate on the recruiting class. Granted, I have my reservations because I know if you build a program based on just three stars, it'll be tough for you to compete in the ACC because it is the second best football conference in all of the NCAA, but. Again, you have to start somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. That, that, that's just my text. You have to start somewhere. Right. And if you're looking right now, uh, speaking of, you know, trying to land a little bit higher profile players, um, if you're looking on the horizon, um, I'm not sure how much you've invested time in kind of looking at what Louisville's recruiting class uh, could look like in the future. But is there anybody on your, in, kind of in the forefront of your mind that you think should UofL land them that that's a game changer for the class? I feel like that quarterback Chuba. Mm-hmm. I feel like if, if Louisville can get him, that would solidify this class because you know I'm a big believer in football. You can have a great coach, have a great running game, have a great O line, D line, DBs. You don't have a quarterback; it doesn't matter. Exactly. Like, if we're being honest, if if Jawan passes even half of what he was hyped up to be from the coaching staff, from the media, Bobby's still the head coach. Absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, so if they can get a game changer at quarterback. That is what's going to help accentuate and accelerate the rebuild process. Because in football, you can really, you can really turn around fast. Like if you're, if you're good and you have the quarterback, you'll be able to turn the program around in a blink of an eye. Speaking of program, that's one recruit I'm like, we got, if Louisville can get that will, that will, you know, change it fast. Yeah, you make great points right there. Let's let's switch gears a little bit. Let's move into basketball. It's been a while since we've talked to you, so we want to get your thoughts uh, on the news that the the programs received with Jordan Wara and Stephen Enoch skipping the draft after testing it, right. and honestly getting to the point where it kind of seemed like both were going to be uh, gone. Uh, one in the NBA, one maybe in the NBA, whatever, maybe one pursuing their um, overseas careers. But now we know they're both back. Louisville brings in a top ten recruiting class in 2019 that features a potential one and done All American. Uh, and Samuel Williams right. and a bunch of other good recruits and along with a graduate transfer point guard. Tell me what you think about Enoch and Wara coming back and kind of where you're putting your expectations here early in the preseason, even though we don't know a whole lot about this team, kind of where your thoughts are at. My uh, my thoughts on this team is they should be one of the best in the country. They should be a top 10 team the entire year. Um, this team is loaded. They have an elite-level coach. They have an elite-level roster. They have the roster and the coach that it takes to – Win a national championship. If we're being honest, 
Um, my expectation is they should at minimum make it to the Elite Eight. Uh, Sweet 16, I know for a fact if they only make it to the Sweet 16 and they say they lose, there'll be a better taste in everybody's mouth because we know how loaded this team is because Jordan is going to be an all-ACC player. Cause he, was, he was second team last year. second team or third team? I think he was third team last year. Third correct? team, I think, yeah. Most improved player in yep, the ACC. And then the most improved player. And most of that upper-level talent is gone. Right. It's just being, you know, refurnished with freshmen and, and transfers. Um, I mean, he's one of the best players that's going to be in this in the ACC this year. So you know you got to have that one alpha dog player that, that can help carry you through the tournament, you know, and they have that now um, with him coming back. Um, then you got um, Enoch. I mean, he's going to be great in the interior. You're going to have one of the best rebounding front courts in the entire country. You're going to have a lethal score in, uh, in Williamson. Um, I mean, this team is honestly loaded, and I feel that with Jordan coming back, like you know, I'm you know I'm the type of one to temper expectations. But when you guys were like, "Oh, book the tickets to Atlanta," I'm like, "Yeah, book the tickets to Atlanta." <laughs> this team is stacked. This team has what it takes. You guys know how quick I am to try to reel you guys back in. Right. And I was like, "No, nah, you guys are right. You guys are right. You guys got it." So they 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 can be a final four team. If you were gonna try to reel us back in, if we said. Um, you know, we're midway through next season and, and just, things are just not going the way that we thought they would. Um, what makes you kind of take pause? What, what, what kind of reservations do you have for this 2019-20 team? Uh, what are the weaknesses around this team that, that would cause concern for you? I feel like uh, chemistry and not having like a true point guard coming in, like there's not going to be a CC on the team. Um, I mean, it's just going to be more like combo guards at the point guard spot. Um, like CC was really able to at times kind of remember that stretch where he was literally looking like an all ACC player and then you know he, I think he kind of got worn down because there's a lot of pressure on him sure. um, but it, the ability to be able to control the game which he was being able to demonstrate game after game after game I remember even the Duke game where he, he didn't score any points but he had I think almost double digit assists or more than double digit assists and his impact was you know allowed him to even have a chance to um, have the lead you know even though they they lost it, but again, we won't have a point guard like that. And maybe chemistry, you know, you, you don't know, we don't know where Jordan's mindset might be. It might be, all right, I'm just going to try to get mine and increase my stock. We don't know what, you know, Sam's might be. We don't, we, we, we have to see, like, I think it's going to be more chemistry and the point guard position, but that's about it. I feel like they're, they, they're one of the best teams in the country. There's some people that have them ranked number two, some ranked number five, some ranked number four, and that's all warranted. So there's not really that many holes in the team. So I would say, like, not having a true point guard and not having, uh, I guess, a plus of chemistry. But even though you still do when you got Jordan, you got Enoch, you still got um both of the both of the point guards. I, f- I forgot their names. Oh, you got Ryan. Right. And um, you got Darius. So, I mean, there's still better, better leadership. And you still got Malik Williams. So you still got five guys right. that all played in the uh, tournament. So Oh, yeah. I mean, they, I, feel like I, I believe they returned something like 85% of their scoring, 75% exactly. of their rebound, rebounding, um, you know, 60% of assists. So, I mean, there's a lot of experience returning on, on this team. And not to mention, DJ, that there's a lot of 
college basketball teams who were at the top last year who lose a lot and don't replenish it with the same amount of talent that they have the last several years in terms of Duke getting a Zion and getting an R.J. Barrett and going from being a you know a great program to a historic team. There's not going to be any of that talent infused into college basketball this year. So it has to be something else spoken as well as saying that some of these teams that we're used to being in the Final Four may not be there. Right, and you remember last year it was UVA, um, Auburn, Texas Tech. Those aren't blue bloods, right? No, no. those aren't blue bloods. I mean, I think Michigan State was there, but, I mean, they're blue blood. Um, but, again, three out, of the, three out of the four teams were not blue bloods. Non-traditional. But I think all of those teams. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you're, you're 100% on, you're 100% correct. Anybody that follows you on Twitter, DJ, knows that you love – to bring some hot takes to the NBA and the NBA world and happenings and some of the players and thoughts that no one's had except for maybe you and five others who <laughs> want to go to, to fist with you to, to debate that. This NBA Finals has been one of the more interesting that we've seen in, in years with the Warriors being a completely different team in terms of capability and, and overall talent with injuries and KD and Klay Thompson. I know you are a huge KD believer, right. and, and uh, I know exactly what it meant to that team to I'm lose him. Play. And people saying that they were better without him. What, uh, but they go down with injury, KD and Clay. Toronto wins some great series from uh, Pascal Siakam, Kawhi Leonard, Kyle Lowry. But do you put an asterisk next to this, knowing that this wasn't the, the Warriors team that we've seen? Nope. Can't put an asterisk, but all championships, championships are championship. Um, I mean – I mean, I want to, but I can't. As the athlete in me, can't do that. You know, <laughs> that's like me running a race and the guy that was favorite pulls his hamstring, and then I finish the race and I win. I can't put an asterisk by it. That's how Marquise won his uh his uh he won the one ten hurdles at ACC championship. The favorite pulled his hamstring after the second hurdle, and he finished the race and he won. Um, so I, I don't I don't believe him for the asterisk by it because the Warriors their first championship. Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt, but we didn't put an asterisk by it. We That's put a an L by LeBron's name. We put a W by Golden State's name. We uh, let it, you know, enhance Steph's legacy, Clay's legacy, and that was, that was the beginning of the dynasty. So I can't, you know, it's funny how how theirs started is how theirs ended. You know, in, it started with injuries, and theirs ended with injuries. It's just all part of sports, you know, man. Um, it, just, it is what it is. Like the Lakers <laughs> in the uh, in the '90s when they um. Well, Magic Johnson, the last time going to the final, Magic Johnson, Magic, when they played Michael Jordan, Magic Johnson played 75 minutes in that series. You know, like he was, he was, he was banged up, he was beat up. I mean, that was just, you know, the wear and tear of going to eight finals in his career, and now that was being his ninth, you know, in 12 years. So that's just how sports is, man. Um, you know, not everybody's LeBron where they can be built like a tank and be able to sustain excellence. For over a decade, so I won't put Ashley by. I won't put Ashley by. So uh, a lot of talk now quickly transitions into the off season with teams making moves and the the landscape of the NBA currently being players and teams can be right. essentially changed overnight with trades and free agency. Uh, the first domino drops this week with the Lakers acquiring Anthony Davis after trying to figure that out for what seems like two or three years. They give up yeah. a lot of talent. <laughs> they they trade Lonzo. They trade Brandon Ingram, the number four overall pick. Uh, and now the Lakers are being talked about, even though they have four players on their roster as the best team in the West. Why is that right? Um, because who else in the West can be thrown up? You know, like who? Who are Denver? No, they're too young, and their best player isn't better than LeBron or Anthony Davis. I mean, um, who else? Portland. I mean, 
Are you going to take CJ and Dame over Anthony Davis and LeBron? No. Are you going to take Steph and Draymond over Anthony Davis and LeBron? No. Are you going to take um, CP3 and Harden, who CP3 apparently requested to trade out, and they, you know, they tried to debunk that today with CP3 commenting on Instagram saying, uh, that's news to me, and Daryl Morton saying CP3 is going to be on the team. That report got out because somebody wanted to get that get out. You know, CP3 is right. not happy in, in Houston. He's not happy in Houston. Um, LeBron and AD want to play together. It, it only makes sense because who else can take them out? You know what I'm saying? Um, I've never seen a week like this in the NBA where literally the entire landscape of the NBA changed overnight. Where KD was supposed to be going to the Knicks, possibly taking Kyrie with him. Because if KD doesn't get hurt, let's say they win the championship three piece, now he goes somewhere else, go to stay still competitive. Um, I mean, Clay maybe doesn't get hurt. Um, I mean, there, there's just so many variables, you know, like that final series literally changed the entire landscape because I know the Knicks were in the market for Anthony Davis. But once KD realized the killer, he's not going to be a play next year. And Anthony Davis saying he's going to enter free agency no matter what. Um, even though he say he'd like to be in New York, you just can't take that chance. You can't put all your assets out there. So that kind of took the, the Knicks out of it. The, um, the Celtics didn't want to put um, Jason Tatum on the table, so that took them out of it. I've never seen it. I've never seen it like this, where like the team that was in the finals, injuries completely decimate them, and now like they'll be lucky to be a four or fifth or, or five seed. You know, Steph is going to have to put on a James Harden act for the entire year next year. He won't have who's going to be who's going to be the go-to guy. You know, so um, I've never I've never seen a week like this. Uh, it, it it really it really it really shocked me. In all honesty, I mean I, I mean I you know as a Heat fan. A real Heat fan doesn't want to see LeBron get pieces, you know. Like I'm just being honest. A real Heat fan doesn't want that. Right. So it was kind of hard for me to swallow. Like my favorite player blew out his Achilles, and then like now, you know, I I like LeBron, but to see him get Anthony Davis, kind of like, it was a rough week for me. It was a rough week for me, in all honesty. <laughs> All right, man, we'll get you out of here on this last question. The last couple of weeks, uh, an article has been going around all over the Internet that you wrote for the Courier-Journal, a really cool piece, one that I don't think anybody out there has seen, at least recently, an in-depth piece on one of your former teammates, uh, I believe, right? You put, weren't you all runners together? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah, so you, you wrote the piece about it, it, Matrice Moore. Is that how you say that? Did I get that right? Martise Moore. Martise Moore. Moore. Uh, you, you wrote about his past and um, how he's come up kind of overcome a lot of the struggles that he's been through uh, and now right. has kind of put his name in the record books in terms of one of the greats for the program. Tell me a little bit about the piece. Tell me a little bit about uh, about Martise and, and uh, what has kind of made him so special here. So when I when I went down to uh, Virginia to watch, you know, him compete, um, you know, I was going there being, you know, hanging out with some old teammates and the way he just handled himself, um, because he was supposed to, he was, he was a favorite for the 400 hurdles. He had the fastest time in prelims. He had the second fastest time in the 110 hurdles. Um, and then somebody, it just flipped. Like in finals, he won the 110 hurdles. So somebody beat him into a uh, 400 hurdles. So I, I anticipated he was going to win the 400 hurdles, but that didn't happen. But he still won the 110 hurdles. And like just seeing the jubilation that the team had for him, just seeing how happy he was, um, just seeing how happy his coaches were. I know, like, fan side is kind of hard, right? Like, we have restrictions on the type of stories that we can do, you know? So, once, you know, that, that came into effect, I had to make a conscious decision and go out on Leap of Faith and hit up the editor at the Courier Journal and just say, hey, Raina, you know, me and her, we have, we have a business relationship. Hey, can I do a feature piece? 
um, on Marquise Moore. It's um, he he just did some incredible things, and she didn't get back to me at first. Like she didn't get back to me for about a week. She said that, and she eventually got back to me. She said that her her mom was sick, so she wasn't um available. But like she didn't get back to me, and it's a good thing that she didn't get back to me after the ACC championships because he ended up even doing better later on. That's when he ended up qualifying for the 2020 Olympic trials, qualifying for the the USA National Outdoor Track and Field Championships to be able to get a chance to go and qualify for the World Championships. Um, so by her not getting back to me, it all worked out because then I had more content to write about. And um, you know, I called his mom. After you know, he did he ran a forty nine eight four hundred hurdle. Think about that. Like I could have even run like a forty a, a forty. I'm mean, not forty nine eight. Yeah, forty nine eight. I can't even. I couldn't even run a forty nine open with no hurdles in front of me, and he did that with hurdles in front of him. You know, so like I called his mom, called his coach, called like the head coach at Louisville, called his event coach. You know, they just gave me some insight. Um, and I just, you know, I started just thinking and writing a piece, like, cause like he's one of my closest friends. You know, like that's one of my closest friends in this in this entire world. And for me to be able to be able to tell his story, knowing that his dad died. Three weeks before he had to go to the University of Louisville and his roommate didn't come in until like about another three weeks later. So he was there by himself for a while. You know, he was dealing with all of that trauma. Because my dad just got in a car accident this past weekend. Like, like the day before Father's Day, you know. Right. And like the other person is in critical condition. My dad walked away fine. Like he went to the hospital and he left MRI clean, x-ray clean, scat scan, I mean, a CT scan clean. And he left fine. Like nothing. The other person in critical condition, they might be dead. Like their car is completely total. Like there, there was only like one tire on the car. My dad's car was like kind of beat up, but he was fine. Like, and I was just thinking, yo, this man lost his dad at the age of eighteen. I can only imagine losing your father. Man. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Like, like I had to text him. I had to text him like, yo, my dad just got in a car accident. Like, I, and I just started thinking about you. Like, oh my god. Like, you really went through that. Like you right. lost your dad, like, at a young age. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm 24. He was 18 when he lost his dad, you know? Right. And it still bothers him to this Yeah, it still bothers him to this day. Like, all his days always tough for him. Like, it's always tough for him. And I was just thinking, like, man, like, that's one of the strongest guys I know on this earth. Because, like, for you to tear your PCL, your knee, mm-hmm. and you still find a way to qualify for the Olympic trials, I mean, 2020, right? Yeah, like I mean that—that's all you know. Once you overcome that mental obstacle, though, I mean it's you know it's cake now. I mean, not saying that that's anything that anybody wants to go through, but you know, having that perspective, you know, going to the ACC championship, uh, setting you know school records and qualifying for the you know in the Olympic trials. I mean, that's you know that's the the mentality that 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 takes um, is something um, that not a lot of people get to go through. So, um, exactly, like, but yet like my, my, my last point, my last point on it is like, he's one of, like I had to do the story. Cause like, he's, I think one of the only two, like, I think there's two people on campus, male athletics that were first team all American. I think somebody in tennis and Marquise Moore. Uh, he's like, he was wow. seventh in the entire country in an event. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. like, did you, you're the saying, only person, um, that has ever made me actually keep track of uh, track and field before. <laughs> so I do appreciate that. That's a whole other sport I didn't really ever follow until uh, I met you. And then obviously uh, 
looked into the article and getting us into it now. Are are now all yeah. American. Yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate I, pre- I appreciate you guys looking into it and reading into it, man. Like I, I really did. Like his mom called texted me and was like that article made her cry. And like that's why I like to do stories like that because like you know, there was so much emotion that really went into that. Like I, I really like tried to be meticulous in every paragraph that I wrote, you know, because like I I had like a, I was honored to be in a position to to write a story like that, you know? Right. I was I was honored because I mean, I come and lose it to dad and they still overcome all of that, injuries and all. And right. Still overcome that and so yeah. DJ, appreciate it, man. Thank you for your time. Everyone, you can follow him on Twitter at Daniel underscore B enemy. Daniel underscore B enemy. That's the name. I'll let you figure out how to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you that. DJ, man, if we don't talk to you before you, you get up to uh, Columbia, good luck, man. And uh, we'll, we'll be watching you and kind of following along. All right. Thank you so much, guys. You have a great day. Appreciate it, man. Great dog or something. All right, guys. Yep. Yep. Uh, last quick thing. Um, it's summertime is pretty much here. Um, Real quick, favorite beverage just sitting around on the summer summertime um, on the patio grilling out some burgers. Go. Bell, Bell's Oberon, no doubt. Oh, you're going fancy. Oh, Bell's Oberon is not fancy. Are you kidding me? A little bit. I don't even no. know what that is. So oh, it's, a great, it's a great beer. It's a great beer. I recommend it to anybody. Ethan was going to say like strawberry Sprite. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I mean, you're not too far off. <laughs> no, uh, I know that. I, I tried the hype train of the Natter days, and they actually weren't weren't too bad. Uh, I know a lot of people will hate them just because it's still you know natty. But is that your preferred drink? Like that's what you're drinking over anything else? No, I, I thought it, this was just like a what's your flavor of the week kind of day. Like oh, currently I'm, I'm, this yeah. week when I'm grilling, I'm gonna probably going to be drinking a Natter day or okay. probably water because it's mostly during the week and I'm <laughs> now a washed up old man. So you know either <laughs> you got to keep that muscle mass, way. man. I try. Yeah. What about? Not, I thought it was gonna be Natter Days, and then I drank a 12 pack, and I will never have Natter Days again. <laughs> it didn't take me 12 to figure it's, out I wouldn't have another one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I could only go like one. Or yeah, two. It was like after good. like half, it was like, oh, that's good, but yeah. it kind of yeah. hurts a little it's, bit. Yes, yeah, so it definitely is not fun after you drink quite a few. Mm. Um, no, I'm gonna go old forest or old fashioned. All right, man, I've got a <laughs> heavy drink yeah. in here. I try, I try. You just wear stuff. like a blazer while you grill too. <laughs> Yes, like and I make nice sure stores. to just not season any of it. Pocket That's square it up. Yeah, no, that is Bozich burn. <laughs> he didn't burn any of that stuff on there. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. That's going to be, before we get ourselves in too much trouble, that's going to be all for this week. Um, until next time, make sure you follow us on uh, Twitter at TheBigRedLouie. Uh, you can listen to our podcast hopefully once a week um, on pretty much any platform. Um, otherwise, uh, we will see you guys next time. <laughs>